Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, they found the telephone have and a, electricity line here described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Good morning. Murder. There is something really special about young love. But with young love comes inexperience, drama, and big emotions. Kimberly fell in love with Mark Yelmo when she was a young girl and experienced her dream come true when the pair were finally married. She would find out on May 10th, 1994, that your first big love isn't always what it's cracked up to be. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Kimberly Scaramastro moved to Jackson, Mississippi to live with an aunt and escape her turbulent life at home. This move put her directly in the path of a boy named Mark Guillermo, a student at the University of Dayton in Ohio who was home on spring break. The two fell madly in love, much to their family's dismay. When her aunt sent her back to California to live with her parents, Mark dropped out of college and followed her and the two moved in together. Kimberly's parents forced the young lovers to break up, and Mark moved back to Bedford, New York. It wasn't long before Kimberly followed and moved in with Mark and his family in 1992. And shortly after this reunion, the two were married. She was 19 and Mark was 24. The newlyweds moved to Florida and Kimberly worked at the Daytona International Speedway while Mark worked across the street at the Holiday Inn Motel. Their life seemed to be going pretty well. They were young and in love after all. That was until May 10th, 1994. This is the odd story of what happened to Kimberly Guillermo. 
The story starts when Mark received a phone call around noon from apparently his wife, stating that she had been in a car accident and needed him to come home. Around 12.45, Kimberly was seen at her bank, which was about five minutes from the couple's apartment, where she withdrew half of the money in their joint bank account. Then, according to Kimberly's mother, she got what would be the last phone call from her daughter when Mark came home. At 1.20 p.m., Mark arrived at the same bank and removed the rest of the couple's money. At 2.05, he was seen at a gun shop where he bought a shotgun and two different types of shells. Then, at 3 p.m., an off-duty police officer who lived in the apartment below the couple complained to management that there was a reddish liquid seeping from the ceiling into his apartment. At around 3.30, when the manager talked to Mark about the liquid, he apologized profusely, claiming that he dropped a bottle of red film-developing liquid and promised to pay for the damages. At 11.15 that same day, Mark checked into a motel on the Georgia side of the state border and, the following day, showed up on his mother's doorstep in Stamford, Connecticut, with his wife's cat in hand and a car that emitted a strange smell. When she asked why he was there and where Kimberly was, he claimed that his wife had either had a miscarriage or an abortion and ran off with all of their money. Not long after arriving, Mark left his mother and headed to Nova Scotia, Canada. On March 14, 1994, Kimberly's mother sent a fax to the South Daytona Beach Police Department with a flyer reporting her daughter missing. What she, nor the police in Daytona, knew was that miles away in New York, the lower half of a female body was found floating in the Hudson River near Terrytown. On the 16th, her mother sent another fax and claimed that her daughter was a, quote, psychopathic liar and that there was no way her son-in-law could have hurt her. That same day, Mark himself called the Daytona police, asking if they had located his missing wife. Investigators were sent to the apartment to look for Kimberly, and after talking to the manager about the mysterious liquid, he entered the couple's empty apartment. What he saw was a missing section of carpet and signs of blood splatter. A week after the first discovery, and 20 miles away, the head and upper torso of the same woman, later identified as Kimberly Ann Gailmo six days later, was found in the woods near Bedford. Mark returned to Florida at the request of his mother and was arrested for tampering with a crime scene on March 26th. Mark was immediately considered a suspect, and their apartment in South Daytona was searched for evidence. What they found were clues that indicated that Mark not only murdered his wife, but dismembered her in the bathtub, put his wife's pieces into a suitcase that they took on their honeymoon, put that in the trunk of his car, and drove to his hometown to dump her body. The pieces were stuffed into plastic bags with towels, both of which were stolen from the hotel where he worked just minutes before he left the day of her murder. He was released on bail the day after he was arrested and immediately rearrested and charged with murder. Kimberly Ann was swiftly cremated before it was determined if she was pregnant or had been pregnant like Mark claimed. The trial brought forth questions about who really called Mark that day, why he took her body to New York, and the odd faxes from Kimberly's mother. But in the end, Guillermo was charged with the second-degree murder after first-degree was dropped because of the obvious unanswered questions about the case. He was offered a plea bargain, and he was given 40 years on June 15, 1995. 
The outcome was controversial, and the judge who sentenced him was, shortly after, removed from the bench by the Florida Supreme Court due to misconduct with other cases. On June 21st, a grand jury indicted him with first-degree murder. If this seems like an unsatisfying ending to this story, it's because it is. During the same time of this case, the O.J. Simpson trials were in full gear, making media coverage difficult to find. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on May 11th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.